to each other. Very similar, and yet there are some differences. Um, I don't know where the picture came from, but uh, I, I, I dig it. That, that picture says uh, a lot, because that's, a, that's kind of a smile, and it's kind of a smirk. And uh, that's probably a picture of many of us on, on a lot of occasions. I will confess and say to you, the first thing is, if I've ever preached a sermon, and I'm thankful that this is going to be real short, because if I've ever preached a sermon to myself, it would be this one. Do not grumble against each other. Um, I'm, so I'm kind of glad this is short, because I don't have to listen to myself talk about myself a whole lot. Here's the verse in verse 9. The judge is standing at the door, so whether it's trash talking, whether it's squawking, uh, grumbling. I have a definition there I put in your sermon notes, complaining in a bad, this is a dictionary, complaining in a bad-tempered or self-centered manner, a discontented muttering. Um, I actually put out, handed out to a couple of you some synonyms. Um, if, you're, if you have the first word on that list, would you just yell it out? These are synonyms of the word grumble. And just go down through. I don't know who has them. Grunt? Groan. Growl? Grouch? Gripe? Snipe? Murmur. Carp. Mutter. Any more? Complain. Blame. What is it? Fuss. I'm sorry. Fuss. Quibble. Grump. I don't mean to complain, but there's a lot. There's a lot of words in our vocabulary that kind of have a, that's just sort of an angle on this idea of grumbling or complaining. Some translations use the word complain rather than grumble. Do not complain against each other. And some people will just do it, uh, 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 gripe, carp, complain, moan, mutter about anything. I heard about this old guy who's on his deathbed. He's very weak. He can hardly talk. His wife is sitting there holding his hand. And he said, is that you, my dear Elizabeth? And she said, oh, yes, Pap, that's me. And he said, what about our son? Didn't we have a son? And the guy over on the other side says, oh, you old bugger. I'm right here beside you. Where do you think I'd be? What about, didn't we have a daughter? Yes, Daddy, and she's crying. And her, uh, we, she said, I'm right here. I'm right here beside you. What about our four beautiful grandchildren? And the wife said, oh, they're right here, dear. They're right beside you. Come over here, kids. And the kids came over, and they patted his arm, and they told him their name. And his wife said, your whole family is gathered around you. We're all right here in this room with you. And he raised up on his elbows, and he said, you're all in this room, my whole family. And she said, yes. Then why is the light on in the kitchen? <laughs> I mean, some people just grump about anything. James is talking about patience. Oh, there you go. I believe that's... That looks like Ron. 
You know, I'm not sure. Actually, as I stand here and ask myself, is it possible that we never complain or grumble? I'm not sure that it is possible for a fallen, degenerate human race to ever raise themselves up to that exact standard of no grumbling against our brothers. I'm not sure we can do it. I mean, Adam complained about Eve. Eve whined about the serpent. Cain fussed and fumed because his brother was, his sacrifice was, was enjoyed more by God. And, and, I mean, we've been whining ever since. We've been complaining ever since. Uh, here's what C.H. Spurgeon said to that idea that we would never naturally ever be able to reach that. This really convicts me. He says, well, when your flesh and bones are full of aches and pains, it's as natural to fuss and murmur as a horse to shake his head when teased by flies. Yes, it is natural. But since when is the life in Christ called to live by the natural? We speak of the supernatural. We, we, we strive to rise above what would be the normal response of this kind of stuff. So James is talking about patience, and he says uh, that we in that chapter we're to be patient when we're uh, expecting something like the second coming. He said be patient like the farmer who plants his crops and waits. He says be patient like the prophets who spoke up truth when even when they were uh, disbelieved and mistreated. And he said even be patient like old Job. And Job, as you know, uh, suffered through everything. But I also, when I read the book of Job, I hear a little griping, a little, a little murmuring on the part of Job as he, as he says, well, you're not listening to me, and I think you're, you're some comforters you are, you know, and, and so forth. This is, t- this is a tough thing for us, but here's my point. He's talking about patience when he says, don't grumble. And patience, we talked about this last week, is a, is a product of having faith in God so that I believe that it's going to turn out as God designed it to turn out, and also having mercy to give another human being a second chance when they didn't perform too admirably on the first chance. So we say, you know, I know you made a mistake, or I know you said something unacceptable. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to have mercy. Jesus talked about this a lot. So my point is this. If patience filled my heart, if I have faith towards God, and mercy towards my fellow man. If that's the case, I don't have to complain when everything doesn't go the way I want it to. I don't have to whine. If patience fills your heart, impatience does not have to escape your lips. If you can trust God, you don't have to mutter about everything. It's not going the way you think it should go. If you're trusting God, he's going to take care of it. I'm simply, I'm simply saying it really, really does tie in with patience. No, I'm not almost done, but I'm almost ready to quit. Okay. All I can say, or I want to say, is two words. One, one is minimize the talking of your lips that is negative. Try to monitor and realize and think about what words you actually say. You've heard this story, I know. A guy joined a monastery and had to take the vow of silence. You're only allowed to say two words in a year's time. And at the end of the first year, they asked the monk anything you'd like to say. He said, yeah, bed hard. And then at the end of the second year, they said, do you have any? Yeah, food, cold. And at the end of the third year, after not talking all year, they said, you get two words. He said, I quit. 
And the, and the head abbot said, well, I'm glad you've been here three years and you haven't done anything but complain. <laughs> Monitoring what we talk, what actually we're saying, um, knowing that I was going to be saying this this morning. I've been for the last couple of days trying to monitor my mouth, my lips. And believe me, I have complained and grumbled far too many times. I catch myself grumbling. Just, and, and I do want you to realize and notice this is very important. Um, first of all, if you do have to say something, I mean, sometimes we have to express negative. Do it in a positive way as you can. But the important thing I do want to emphasize is this. He says there in that verse, do not grumble against each other, brothers. So the emphasis here is on people. It's not necessarily talking about, or it's not emphasizing uh, talking about the weather or about your jobs or the government or the road conditions or, or these kind of things. Not that we should just, I don't think we should give ourselves to easily complaining about anything at all. But the focus of this thing is how do you treat people? You know, God didn't die for the government. God didn't die, Christ didn't die for the potholes in the road. Christ didn't die for these things that we gripe and complain and whine about. None of these things are made in God's image. Um, and, and he's concerned with how we view and how we treat these under other wonderful people um, who are made in God's image. Even like Jackie said, even if they do disappoint us and they go to jail, even, even if they do um, just do the most inexplicable and unimaginable things, it is our attitude about people that he's really focusing, focusing in on. So, minimize actual words of griping. Secondly, this is the motivation that he gives, and that is try to visualize the judge standing at the door. That's what he says. Don't complain against each other, brothers. Don't gripe against each other, brothers, because the judge is standing at the door. So, just to be done with this, Quickly, my life, the God's assessment of my life begins not with how talented were you and how much did you use your talents and how well did you fulfill your calling. Before you ever get to that, Jesus tells story after story about the treatment of other people and this, you know, this word, this passage, this sentence in James begins with the concern about other people. Do not complain or murmur against others. Others. That's the first thing that God looks at. How did you see these other people made in my image? What did you do with them? How did you treat them? What did you think of them? And that's the beginning of what God's assessment is. For example, here's a place. This is a bizarre one. Hard to imagine. You're a slave and God's interested in, or you're a master and God's interested in how you treat your slaves. I mean, that, that's first and foremost. But this part, here, I, I want to close by just helping us to realize something. When God's judgment is a, a God's assessment, and I'm not talking here about whether you go to heaven or hell. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the First Corinthians three uh, picture of God's judgment, where He is assessing our life and saying, "Did you build on wood? Did you build on hay? Did you build on gold and silver or whatever?" Um, 
He's not there to say, God's point is not there to, to, to say this was right or this was wrong. But rather the assessment of God is to accept who you are and, and, and the judgment kind of just amplifies it and makes it known to all that this is how you prefer to be treated because this is how you treated others. And, and there's many places in Scripture that kind of explain it. I'm, I'm going to just quickly mention one. King David... Bathsheba, her husband Uriah, who David murdered, the prophet Nathan who came to him. And Nathan told him a story, and he said, Oh, king, there was a rich guy, and he had all kinds of cattle and sheep, and he got company for supper, and his neighbor, who poor little guy who only had one pet lamb, um, the rich guy didn't want to kill any of his cattle or sheep, so he went over and stole the, the one lamb from this other poor guy, and had its throat cut and had it prepared for supper. And David was furious. And he said, well, that guy ought to, ought to take him out of here and hang him. And Nathan said, well, you're talking about yourself. And he said, you know, you did this in secret to somebody. But now the somebodies of all your kingdom are going to do it to you openly. And he explained to him that God's judgment was... That he was going to be now treated the way he had treated somebody else. And in that sense, I'm saying it's simply amplifying what I've already set in motion with my choices and with my life. And this is something that he, he, talks, he talks about. Or this is something that he's trying to get, get across to us. I think um, one of the most difficult things in life would be to give up grumbling. It kind of makes you feel good to complain, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I look at people who can't, who try and try desperately hard to give up alcohol or heroin or whatever, and I think, well, for every person who decides I just can't give this up, there's a million of us who say I just can't give up complaining and whining and mo- moaning and muttering and all these other wonderful, all these other things that w- that some of you said. But it's the goal to which we need to aspire, Heavenly Father. I thank you that you gave us a goal, that you give to us a, cha- a, a, a bar, and it's set very high because it's a, it's, it, it, it expresses the love that you have for us. And I don't want somebody to complain about my kid, and neither do you. And we're your kids. And so when we beat up on each other and when we complain about each other, this hurts your heart, gets you angry, gets you stirred up, just as we as human parents. So we ask for your help for, to open our eyes to see uh, how extensive that this negative talk really becomes and how it is that with patience, with trusting in you and mercy towards others, we can curb it and bring it so much more under control so that we can be known as a group of people and our family can be known as a family and we can be known as an individual that's positive and thankful and grateful and, and, and seeks to convey that and pass it on in every way possible. We thank you for that challenge and we thank you that you will help us meet it. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, this closing song is just a, just a chorus. Can we sing it? All right. Stand.
This is a joy. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. That's why we don't complain. Join our spirit with the spirit of God. We are one in the bond of love. Heavenly Father, that we can just realize the extent of what that love really is and the extent of what that love means and the extent of how of, of, of the part of it that we carry. That would be the greatest, most awesome thing if we could leave here and take that with us. The, just, the, the realization that we are the bearer of that love to other people. Go with us, protect us, provide for us, for those who have fresh wounds. Um, whether somebody has grumbled about them and hurt their status or caused them personal pain, whether they've lost their loved ones, such as the, the Lecran family, others who uh, are just going through some kind of pain or other, I pray we ask together, that the joy and the power and the memories and the, and the strength that, is, that comes from you would, would be more than adequate to bear that burden. Bless us so we can bless others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming today. May the Lord bless you.